Silva's with me. It is September 20th, 2015. 2016, excuse me. Uh, the cat's walking over the wires. Oh, my God. All right, we're good, we're good. It's been just one of those crazy days. Uh, I woke up feeling a little bit weird, and uh, it just kind of like has been one of those weird days. So I hope the rest of you are having a weird day or not, but a day that is still full of joy because you can still have weird and still have joy. Um, that's about all I have to say about what this day is. It's, it's going to be a little crazy. Hi, Walt. How are you doing? Hello, Nancy. Hello, audience. Thank you for being here tonight. And say hello to Colleen. Oh, <laughs> not that she might, she might not answer you, but... <laughs> <laughs> how can I forget the producer lady? Good evening, producer lady. Good evening, Walt. Good evening, Nancy. Good evening, Colleen. <laughs> Uh, and do you have any hair left? <laughs> I have been refraining from tearing it out or cutting it off. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but I'll tell you what, I am ready for a drink or something. I am so freaked out over all this and can't figure out how the heck to fix it and what caused it and all that stuff. But anyway, on with the show. Thanks a lot. Okay. Back to the show. When Les left her euros. Yeah, when Les <laughs> left. The, okay, now, I, I seriously was looking at a whole bunch of different things to talk about tonight. Let's start with Fulford. Because um, Ben says, Ben Fulford, who we know seems to have connections, certainly has a lot to say about everything, and he claims that Hillary Clinton is dead. Right, Walt? Yep. And uh, he, in fact, he mentioned something, I believe it was, was it Colleen or you who mentioned it uh, the last time that we were speaking on Sunday, that somebody had seen the news pop up on the TV with the announcement that Hillary was dead and then they took it out right away. Was it you or, or Colleen who mentioned seeing that? Yeah, we'd, we'd been talking about that, yeah. But they, it just, it came up. The the broadcaster said um, something about Hillary Clinton dying, and then they came on with a show and nev never mentioned another thing. And the tape of that show does not have that, you know, that preamble yeah. in it. 
So when they do when they do that, you know they're trying to hide something because otherwise it would be all over the place. Well, at first I said, okay, so it's bad information. Somebody gave him the wrong teletype or something. But now that Ben claims she's dead, um, I'd like to get Simon's story. You know, maybe there's a clone out there. But I started to um, try to find out if she had been uh, in at any of these events. And I, I just couldn't seem to get there before we had computer problems because... I tried to help Colleen out and then managed to screw up my own system, and Walt had to come in and fix that. So, um, um, Simon did say Sunday that there are clones of Hillary as well as body doubles. And then also, if you connect the dots, one of the things that he said, not this last Sunday, but the other Sunday show, uh, that it was going to be either or. Either she was going to be killed off or she was going to be made to re, you know, leave the campaign trail with uh, medical issues. So obviously they, they chose one of those two options. So it's playing out as he predicted. I don't see, I don't see a conflict here or a contradiction. No, but he also said that she had been given the option to have her soul leave her physical body, therefore the body dying, and going into a clone. Correct? That's what I remember him saying, and that she was refusing yeah. because she knew that she, her body would die. Um, so maybe she, because of that refusal, or maybe her health just got so bad that she croaked in the meantime. Well, but... And, and the other thing is, Bill is missing in action. <laughs> yeah, Bill seems to be missing in action. Yeah, and that, that, according to, well, according to Ben, he said that they expected that six months ago, uh, uh, Biden, Joe Biden, would become the, you know, designated uh, Democratic Never. candidate. And that. The guy that's the vice president uh, nominee, his name is, what, Kaiser or something? What's his name? Shoot. Uh, with the guy that's... Kane, playing that's Kane, I don't know if they pronounce it Kane or Kanye. Yeah. Okay, okay. Kane, with Kane, a Kane, right, right. That he um, is is in this whole... Pro I mean, you know, he wasn't designated because he's a nobody. He was all involved in this anyway. And that... Um, he was agreeing that Joe Biden would be the president. He would be the vice president. And then Ben Sump said something weird. For one term or less, so I don't know if I'd want to be Joe Biden if that's, the, that's on the table, and uh, then he would become the president. So that the, the heir apparent is this new guy, Kane, who's out there. Um, and that, that uh, Bill Clinton is uh, running from, because of, I guess, well, Ben pointed towards the uh, problems that he's having with the foundation. Now, the Clinton Foundation was, has been in the... Money laundering business. Well, the, yeah, I mean, what were the... I, wait a minute, let me see if I can pull this up here. Well, but now they're I, saying... Joe Biden is a pedophile. What? Yep. When did you hear this? Um, there's YouTubes up, and apparently 
information going around now is saying that he is just this big-time pedophile. Yeah. Somebody posted, I think it was Craig, posted a link to a video in our chat room, and it was a room full of people and Joe Biden, and there's this little girl in this room full of people, and they ask her to move over in front of Biden, and he says something like, yes, please, because you make me look better. Well, they're saying that he said, oh, you know how horny I am. Just stupid stuff, and it was in subtitles. So I'm like, oh, please. But, yeah, that is what's going around. Something to discredit him, just in case that happens, I'm sure. So, you know, or to make him say, no, I'm not doing this. But, yeah, that's what's going around now. Why would anybody want to be in politics? I mean, seriously. <laughs> but anyway, the um, the uh, thing with the uh, the Clinton uh, Foundation, okay? Um, okay, he said. I'm trying to find this here. Okay, first off, this is something that I had not heard, but he says it is not. Oh, okay, he says the um, government admitted the American government admitted that 6.5 trillion dollars went missing from its military budget in 2015 alone now normally he will cite oh it did he does have a citing yet there's a PDF on it I didn't see that initially um, agency sources that six that say that 6.5 trillion was laundered through the Clinton Foundation and spent on the Unacknowledged special access projects, and in parentheses, deep underground bunkers, a secret space program, etc., especially in the Antarctic and Patagonia. This makes sense because, on the one hand, we have an official U.S. Department budget of 60, $651 billion for 2015, and yet that same Defense Department issues a report saying that $6.5 trillion, ten times the official bu- budget, went missing. Um, now, we know that the budget that is on the books for the Department of Defense is just a minuscule as to what they actually get, but um, ten times the official budget, yeah, I suppose it could be, and that it's going through the Clinton uh, Foundation. Now, um, when I was looking at the foundation, apparently they... They, they've been doing all sorts of things all over the world. And there has been a lot of um, bitching about the fact that, well, they're not, they're not getting anything done. Even though they supposedly are doing this stuff, the stuff isn't getting done, and the money isn't getting where it's supposed to be. And I don't know if you happen to look at the, uh, in Ben's um, report. He gave a link to... A video that was it was a, it was the weirdest video. The guy that it was a small room, um, and Trump was sitting there with somebody else, and this guy is talking. It was a six point, six and a half minute video, and this guy is talking who has been identified as the um, 
uh, a previous, I don't know what his rank, what he's doing now, but he was the president of um, the Congress or Senate in uh, in Haiti. And he was very articulate, and he just said to Mr. Trump, he said, please, can you, uh, w- would you, would you just make the, make the statement, get it out there, that all of the money that was given by people all over the world to the Clinton Foundation in order to have funds for the earthquake in Haiti never got to us. And he said that he also said that the um, the Clinton Foundation was involved in drug trafficking, and that the money that was involved in it was being used to pay off the Congress. It was pretty explosive if the guy is telling the truth and if you know he is who he is. But he was sitting right in front of Donald Trump. And Donald Trump was like, whoa. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he... How did I get into? Yeah, I mean, it was like, it was an interesting thing. Now, again, it was a cut of the of a full video. I'd like to see the whole thing because they kind of like, when he finished, he said to him, please just let the people know that the money they gave us that went through the through the Clinton Foundation never got to us. And... um you know, Trump really, he was like, didn't know what to say. Um, amazingly enough, did he, and, but then they, they cut it. So I don't know if he got himself together and said something weird. But, um, yeah, yeah. So um, the problem here is started with when, when Hillary became the Secretary of State because the Clinton Foundation had, you know, operations going all over the world. And what they were afraid of, and in fact what they've been accused of, as best as I know, is that some of the decisions made in the State Department were sort of um, payoffs by the the foundation to different um, national countries. Well, if you let us do this in your country, then we'll make sure the State Department gives you XXYZ. Um, so there was all that happening when she was in the State Department, but it was the Bill Clinton Foundation. Now, after she got out of the State Department, it became the Hillary, Bill, and Chelsea Clinton Foundation. So they dragged, dragged poor Chelsea into this, too. Um, and that Bill is, is hiding because he doesn't want to get, well, I guess also there is a bounty on his head. If I understand what uh, yes, has been 100%. by Simon, Simon and Ben, you know, claimed that he had a bounty on his head. So he's he's in the middle of. I mean, where is he? Where is she? Is anybody? If anybody out there has seen something where she's been on ABC, NBC, or something, giving a speech or something, because um, there was somebody. I think it was Simon. Somebody suggested that um, a particular. He said the YouTube presentation of her being on a plane, he says that was a clone. Simon did flat out said that's a clone. He said the woman that came out of the building was a a double, a body double. But um, when I went to look for this, I wasn't sure what I was looking for except Hillary in an airplane. 
And there was this um, kind of strange, I don't know, it was like I'm looking at this picture, picture of Hillary, it's a video, and I'm going like, I don't, this, I'm not getting any feeling. I mean, you, if you're energy sensitive, all you can, I mean, videos will show you. I remember the first time I heard about this, it was probably 30, 40 years ago, that there was um, a woman who could see, she could see auras for one thing. And she was looking at a picture of somebody and she said, I don't think this person is alive. And they, the person who was showing her said, why would you say that? And she says, I don't see any aura. And she was looking at a photograph. And sure enough, the guy was dead. But the person showing her didn't know that. So you can, you can feel energies off of, off of pictures and videos. And I just didn't get anything off of this woman that was supposedly Hillary Clinton. So I, I can't. I mean, I think the clone thing is absolutely bizarre, although I know the science is there to say that they probably can clone people. Um, I just don't know. But I did I did have to stop and go, whoa, I, I'm not feeling anything off of her. And then I went to a couple of other YouTubes where I know she was there, and um, I could feel her energy. So um, that's why I'm, I'm wondering, is there somebody out there that is is seemingly... Clinton that's that's speaking right now maybe someplace but I didn't see anything trying to uh, you know Google it I I don't know mm. any comments well no comments it's, it's, it, the, the stuff is breaking up isn't it <laughs> yes very much it's so. the illusion of control is like flying out the window Right, and, and um, Ben actually said that um, because of the Clinton Foundation and its seeming uh, role in laundering money so that the secret space program uh, gets its funding, that perhaps this is one of the ways that disclosure will come that nobody anticipated. You know? Oh, and where's all this money? Oh, well, we gave that to the space people. <laughs> You know, uh, so he did mention that, you know, maybe disclosure will come in a weird way. Isn't it kind of weird? That's one of the things I, I wish uh, Curry Good would enlighten that and us on that. Okay, these guys have free energy, right? They don't have to use, you know, chemical fuels. I'm saying, you know, stuff that will get consumed and wear out. They have uh, free energy. They have inexhaustible energy, they have the equipment and technology to um, mine the Mars for minerals metals and the the asteroid belt and all of this. Okay. Where does money come in? What what do you use it for when you have all these things? What what would you want? Is there like a McDonald's in outer space and we're gonna go use it to buy some food for uh, for our colony, you know what? I'm not trying to be to make too light of this, but I, just, I am legitimately curious, you know, where does the money come in? Where do you use it? Do you use it to buy stuff that only Earth has? Uh, I don't get that. Do they exchange it among themselves? Because there's all these, according to Corey Good and according to Simon, there's at least like three separate space factions. There's not just one big bloated 
secret space program. There's actually a consortium. You know, on one on one part of the playing field, you have the Nazi space program, then you have the corporate space program, and then you have the other one. So they're not really chummy chummy friends with each other. So is that where the money comes in? They use it to exchange among themselves. I need, oh, my ship is on the blink. I need a new one. Let's go to the Nazis. They make really great ships. Well, how much is this one? One trillion dollars. Okay, here you go. Is that the way it works? I don't know. I don't know either. And I did think about that myself when I first started hearing all about this black budget for this space thing. And then I heard about exactly what you heard from the, you know, the breakaways from the breakaway civilization, the whistleblowers like Corey. Yeah, they obviously don't use it to pay salaries because all those people in those colonies, they're they're uh, literally they're slaves. They're not allowed to leave. I mean, they, they they were brainwashed into believing the Earth was is something happened on Earth and you can't go back to it and you're stuck in these things. So I don't think they get paid with money. They just they must be allowed to eat and they just maybe they get clothing and stuff and water and stuff to survive. I don't see them getting paid and then having the the freedom to go out and spend that money somewhere. <laughs> it might be a six point five trillion dollar hush fund. <laughs> you don't keep every because again you've got probably hundreds of thousands of people working in this project and nobody talks except a handful of them. And some of them, I mean, some of them are not out there in the space. They're here. They know. I, I, I just have such a hard time. See, I was in a job where all sorts of things were classified at the highest level of classification. So the words that that represented the the um, uh, your access, your ability to access, like secret, confidential, top secret, this was called top secret SI. And above that, you couldn't even say the word of the 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 certificate of you can you've got this amount of information available to you that nobody else does because it's got this caveat on it. And those caveat words themselves were secret. All right? So you've got this tremendous amount of secrecy built into the entire mechanism of the Army Security Agency, which I worked for. And I could never remember what was secret and wasn't. <laughs> I was always at lunch saying something, and somebody would say to me, that's, that's classified. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, and I'm not alone. I mean, people out there, I just cannot believe that they've kept this secret for this long. It just goes against human nature to me. Uh, I, I don't know how they, they do that, unless they've got a $6.5 trillion hush fund. <laughs> well, as long as they have people believing on television, then you're okay. I mean, all, all of that rests in the shoulders of the media. That's why 99.9% .9 of the media, you know, is in the hands of the Illuminati slash Cabal, whatnot. And even then, even that's beginning to crumble because you saw what Ben had to say about that uh, newspaper. Um, where was it in uh, in Israel? It's it's not an American newspaper where they're actually publicly saying the truth about uh, 9/11. And he and he goes and he uses that as an example to show how the media is beginning to lose its grip on controlling the news. So that's as, as long as people are, you know, looking at the TV and believing everything, no questions asked, then yeah, you you put it in the hands of the media, 
Uh, case in point. Okay, the crisis actors that are used to, you know, give substance to these uh, false flag events. You know, um, people are sending money, and they're up in arms, and they have all these reactions to it. Uh, and that's pure data manipulation, you know, and information manipulation of something that actually never happened or couldn't happen. So if they can, if they can do that on a, on some scale, hiding something that big would be another. Uh, in fact, um, was it was it Simon Parks the one who? No, it's also this is a piece of information. I've seen Sheldon Nidal speak of it, and it was a long line of questioning that Don Elkins had for Ra when they were doing the the channeling sessions for the Ra material. Is uh, one way to where, where do you what's the best place to hide a tree? Well, you know it's a given in a forest. Uh, through the decades, a lot of the UFO phenomena that people have been witnessing isn't even from entities of another world or dimension or anything. It's actually craft from the secret space program. It just got labeled. It got mislabeled, but that's what they were witnessing. So it wasn't that much hidden. It was just you know such phenomenal technology, would you in your mind conceive, oh yeah, that's fantastic technology with free energy, inexhaustible energy, it's been used by people just like me someplace else. Nobody goes for that. They go for, oh, super intelligent, super advanced civilization from another world. You know, movie movie screen script. <laughs> well, the, yeah, the other thing was, was that the government was um, very happy that this is this is what they're claiming now. Okay, now it's coming out that yes, all those uh, supposed ET ships were actually uh, futuristic systems that we have, and we were glad that the um, people were thinking they were ETs because we would push it that they were ETs in different subtle ways, so that um, they would think that instead of realizing that no, this is actually Earth created. Uh, vehicles, and then they would cite the B-2 bomber and some of the other things that they've got out there. Uh, so it played into the hands of the government to continue to say that no, 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 there's no ETs, but you know, yeah, there's ETs. Um, so that you would think that okay, it's ET instead of this uh, secret space program. It, it's deceit after deceit. But the question that when you mentioned. Um, it was in Egypt, Egypt, okay? Now, according to um, the Independent uh, from the U.K. Uh, news outlet, in Egypt, meanwhile, the government-owned newspapers, the government-owned newspapers are saying 9-11 was an inside job by the West done to justify an invasion of the Middle East and that ISIS is a Western creation. For a government publication to say this is a clear declaration that Egypt has split split with the Cafisarian Mafia rulers in the U.S. So it was the Egyptian papers that were, were, were doing yeah. this. Um, and, I, yeah, I, that jumped out at me, too. I couldn't believe I was reading that. Because that's government-owned. That's the position of the uh, Egyptians right now. And, of course, right in the last, what has it been, a week, maybe ten days... Um, there's been all of this exposure of the uh, Israel having over 200 nuclear weapons. 
and he says that now they soon will be publicly blamed for 9/11. And this is he's sort of he's he's citing Pentagon sources for that. I just really hope he does have these Pentagon sources because they do seem to be the white hats in the midst of everything else. And that's what we've got to bank on is that all these people that are keeping the secrets, all of these people that are playing the game, if they suddenly realize or gradually realize, but at least realize that there is that it's not a good thing that's happening, that it's a crazy thing that's happening. Maybe they'll all wake up. Because it it just takes a matter of changing your mind about what the hell you're doing. You know, let the let the world know exactly what what's happening. We've been telling them, and we certainly do not know the whole story. You know, for it's like it's like layers of onion. You know, we see one level and we go, oh my God, look at this. You know, and then we get to another one and another one. But we've been talking amongst ourselves how we can talk about things that we couldn't talk about before, because people would look at us like crazy. Like, you know, oh, yeah, well, there is no money. It's just, you know, your illusion and your agreement to play with this. You know, now everybody knows it. You know, and, and, it, and it's, a, it's an interesting thing to see how people react to this. Um, the point being with uh, Snowden. Now, I knew from in the 70s, being, you know, there in the 70s, the amount of um, monitoring that was being done by NSA. I certainly didn't have a comprehension of how much, but I knew that it was much more and that their capabilities, I definitely knew their capabilities were there to do it. So, you know, you say to somebody, well, you know, every every telephone call you make can be monitored. Everything that you say can be recorded. And they'd look at you like you were a nutcase. And then Snowden comes out and says, well, here's the NSA saying that this is exactly what they're doing. And everybody went, oh, oh, they can listen to my telephone. Oh, well, okay. It's like, what is it going to take to get people upset? <laughs> you know? We're just sort of like been beaten down to a point that... Um, you know, there's nothing I can do anyway. Uh, you know, nothing I can do anyway. Which brings me back to the um, to the water situation. Uh, the Washington Post is now starting to report. I read two articles by them, and it, it's clear that they. I, I don't know. I, I'm seeing more in the New York Times, and of course the New York Times and Washington Post, in my understanding, are supposed to be the mouthpieces of two different factions within the cabal. And I've seen things in the New York Times, but, but this time it was the Washington Post that was talking in terms of the situation with the uh, Dakota Access Pipeline. And the Native Americans coming out and saying you cannot do this is a new twist on the environmental fight. Because the environmentalists were attempting to make changes or create um, situations that would stop the 
big oil companies and the the oil company uh, the you know the the industrial countries to realize that there's a problem with gold with the gold, global warming and so they tried to do it through the mechanism that was there but by changing certain things in it and of course they there's always somebody that can veto whatever you're trying to do into never neverland so he was saying that the Washington Post was saying that a while back, and I forget exactly when they when they started this, but they started realizing that if they could choke off the oil companies' abilities to send the oil anyplace by using existing law, don't try to change the law because it isn't going to happen, but if you can use it with existing law, then you might be able to stop the spread because from an environmentalist standpoint, all of this oil and this this dependency on it is creating global warming. Uh, I could argue against that, but let's just go with it. That's creating global warming. So the, so the more oil you do not get into the uh, economy is less oil into the to the climate problem so what happened was that the best way of stopping the one of them was a in washington and it was a um it was sort of it was it was like a port they were going to do this port thing uh so that they could get oil out of this port and the only way that they could stop it with existing law was to go to the indigenous tribes and say if they do this, it's likely that your the the waters that you fish in uh, are going to be polluted because sooner or later something's going to spill. Well, there was a law, a treaty that was 1855, I think it was, that said by the federal government to the indigenous uh, natives right there at that place, you have um, forever the fishing rights to this water. And because they had the official rights to that area, there was nothing the federal government could do to get over that particular law. So they stopped that. And once they stopped that by using the indigenous people and the, what the indigenous people have been able to hold on to as far as uh, legal treaties, they started looking at other situations. Um, one of them was trains, because coal has got to be on trains. And so they, they started working with indigenous people where the trains were going across their lands and stuff, and they were able to make changes. So the reason that the, the Native American movement right there in, in Dakota is not just, it was, was it, a lot of it had to do with this environmental protection concept. And the environmentalists working with trying to get indigenous people kind of built up like with their own power. Because th- these people are, you know, beaten down. For 200 years they've been beaten down. Until, you know, awful things happen and they go, well, there's nothing we can do about it. If there, if, if there was a, um, 
like the best example of people that were were so beaten down that they they can't even fight back it's the indigenous people but over this particular situation they came together now there's over 200 tribes that are there and and this is again washington post stuff i'm not going into i mean interestingly enough democracy now has not reported anything for well over a week on what's happening there but the um this this movement with the environmentalists and the native americans is bringing together two different kind of sets of of people that are trying to make the same fight and what it's doing and this was one of the things that the washington post was was attempting to display was how it's unifying the native americans and that basically they don't know what this means but this is a totally different environment that we're in now because the of the fact that there are so many native american treaties out there that could actually influence how some of this economy stuff is being jammed down the the throats of the american people so it's just a fascinating uh you know, just to watch the people start waking up and finding their own power, and try. You know, again, trying to work with a with a corporation that just doesn't give a shit. You know, the, none of them do. And I say the corporation because I've said this how many times. You know, the government is not a government. It's not a Republican. It's not a republic. It's a corporation. And someday somebody's going to figure that out who can do something about it. Maybe Donald Trump. <laughs> I don't know. So, um, yeah, so the, the, the Dakota thing is, is still happening. But right now we seem to be in a little bit of a pause. Have you heard anything different, Colleen? Um, I heard that um, they did make them stop again. Um, the, the, the pipeline itself. Yes, they made them yes. stop construction at least for like, I think it was 20 miles on each side by the lake but it is just a temporary stop uh, according to the article I read it's by no means considered uh, victory um, and my guess is it's just a, to give the lawyers and all that sort of thing time to figure out loopholes and all that kind of stuff uh, but, uh, you know, they want to look at it and all that kind of stuff and go over all that. So I'm thinking, to me, it's not this pipeline is just one of the pipelines that need to be stopped. Because they're trying to do one in Texas, kind of the same sort of deal where they're taking land to put it through. And also trying to put one all the way down Florida. So, more and more people need to be paying attention to this um, because this is happening everywhere and it's all the water, not just ours in, here in the U.S., but everyone's water that uh, really is under attack. 
So. One, Native, one Native American said, they've taken everything from us, and now they're going to take the water. Yep. <laughs> you know? Um, well, there was a spill in, in Florida. A fertilizer company, uh, I, they call it a spill. It seemed to me like they were purposely doing it. But they somebody found... Uh, that they were putting all of this byproduct, toxic byproduct of the fertilizer industry into the aquifer of Florida. And I've explained the aquifer. Florida, if you think of it, it's a peninsula, but it's limestone. And in the middle of it, there's a the limestone has been carved out by the water from rivers coming out of Georgia. That's the water supply for the entire state. And this fertilizer is what? Got uranium in it. And I forget how many billions of gallons of water of this toxic stuff is already into the aquifer of Florida. For all I know, I could be dead. <laughs> Except for the fact that we do have shungite. And I'm, I, you know, when Mona, Mona sends me the link telling about this, I'd already knew, knew about it. Um, I'm just hoping that, you know, the, the shungite is strong enough here that it's going to uh, to protect us from that. But that was, you know, it was like, oh. So here you have an example of what happens when you have a problem of a leak. And this is pretty drastic. And you still want to put a pipeline down the middle of the state? I don't think so. You know, because I, I went to my friend who has been environmental and she said I can tell you what happens if oil goes into it but I don't know about uranium so I don't know about uranium either I didn't realize that they put uranium in fertilizer I didn't either but yeah apparently there's some kind of a uranium thing byproduct from the fertilizing thing Hmm. I'll have to look that link up one of those things I didn't want to think about. <laughs> so, yeah, it's. Uh, but anyway, I, the reason I'm bringing up it, the 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 water thing, is that one of the reasons they may have put a pause on it was so that the the talk would die down, and we cannot let the talk die down. Exactly. You know, water water may be the last battle. Um, we we just we have to stay on top of this. And continue if you've got, you know, if you can go to go to the um, websites on, on CosmicReality.net. Uh, you can get into the Cosmic Reality blog, and you'll see flags for two two dog there, and it gives you the links to the people that you can donate to. That you know we know is, is a good donation point. And it'll also give you a background in what we're talking about. Oh, you mean about. not the Clinton Foundation, not that one? No, no, not the Clinton Foundation. It's called the Hopkins Foundation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, you know, I, it's, you, if, you, if you look at some of the things that can happen, you, you can get so depressed and so crazy that you just want to quit. But then on the other hand, there's there's people like us that keep trying to look for the solutions and see the upside of things. And the upside is at least we're talking about this stuff. It's no longer hidden. You know, they, the, the, the pipeline in Florida 
had been planned and was is about to be built, and, and they just weren't telling anybody. Now people know. Now there is a movement to stop it. So at least if we know, you can have action taken. But them keeping all of this stuff from us is just, you know, slimy little bastards is what they are. Well, one of the things I see happening, uh, remember in the previous show I mentioned uh, the name of this lady that uh, writes under the name Tanath of the Silver Legion. And in one of the, uh, the interviews that she did on radio, um, she speaks of these different missions that they're sent out to do. But everything is happening at the, at the astral level. Um, she said, starting from I don't know what date, they were getting a lot more volunteers and helpers in the Silver Legion because they had helped to liberate another planet that was under similar situations as Earth, where they were under domination and control. And they were successful, and they got rid of the domination and the control. So many of those, oh, many people from that planet decided to enlist in the Silver Legion and actually come here again, you know, on the astral plane, and to be able to help. So they asked her a question about that, about those people. And she says it, it was, it didn't take much time to help them free them, because whereas here on Earth, domination and control is so well hidden, you know, uh, the media puts a nice little bow ribbon on it to make everything, oh, yes, vaccines are good for you. We're doing it to protect you. And, you know, every horrible thing, gets sugar-coated to make people pliable and, and obedient. She says on this other planet, it, that wasn't the case. You know, the, the, the domination and control was right there on your face. So uh, these people didn't need that much uh, in, the, in the way of time to get rid of it because it's right there. It's staring you in, your, in the face. So I have been remembering her words lately because as more stuff comes out like Fulford, like Parks saying his part and uh, the posts that come up on on Facebook, the alternative news that are putting stuff, that nice little sugar coating, it's really crumbling. This stuff is beginning to be on your face, open domination and control. Because it's, it's every time you like this thing with the water and the pipelines, that used to be secret and they weren't telling anyone and people are finding out, well, whatever was shielding them from public knowledge, that, that appears to be crumbling. Now it's becoming blatant. Okay, here we are. We're here to poison your water because we want to depopulate the planet. Get that? Did you understand that? Do you need me to repeat this? You know, it's it's that obvious. It's not about oil. Even though they, they, they love the money, they're, they're not above, they're not above cutting their own nose to spite their face. You know, they, they have a, an agenda to push through. Um, I, I, and I've seen it, it appears to be part of the matrix mindset of the corporate world because in the, when I worked in that corporation for seven years, for nine years, I did not understand things that they did because it was my understanding that, okay, corporations exist to make money. They exist for the bottom line. They exist to produce 
profit and more profit and more profit because they answer to the shareholders. That's the only authority that they answer to. Forget, forget the, the so-called government. It's only, only the shareholders that have the last say. But yet I would see them doing things like when they did the transfer of the service department to California and they were losing the, the customers. We're not dealing with end user customers. Yes, they did have end user customers, but the primary customers were other service centers and companies that actually sold our product. So we're talking about million dollar customers here. And yet they were losing these customers daily because the level of service that the people got in California was insignificant compared to what we would do here in Minnesota. And yet they didn't care because it was a, a manipulation that they wanted to do because eventually what that led to is that the, the, the machine, the, the company got divorced from the, from the rest of the corporation. So it got rolled off in order to be sold piecemeal. So here they were losing millions of dollars, but they didn't care because it was the agenda that was primary in their minds. So I, I, I've seen it happen. They don't care. I mean, you would think that money is the God that they obey to, and as long as they're making money, they're going to... No, no. They, they, they don't care. They, they, they love money up to a point. If money gets in the way of their doing what they're doing, they don't care. Okay. No, no problem. We'll lose it. So it was a matter of months before a lot of stuff went south and they, they had to, they, they divorced the company from the division that it was part of. It was part of this technology division that encompassed everything, vents and infusion pumps and defibrillators and everything. And it was, you know, like when you unplug a, a a light bulb from one of these shiny light bulb signs and you just take one because it burnt off and they said I don't know maybe at some point a bean counter said this division is losing money or this division has too many fights with the FDA we're going to we're going to lose a hundred million dollars but we're going to we're going to be saving a billion dollars because now we don't have to deal with other, all their legal issues I don't know <laughs> I'll never figure that out, but yeah, they'll do it. They'll well, lose. they know they know they're playing a game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Walt, what else is happening out there in the real world, or in the world of fantasy? <laughs> well, in the world of fantasy, I, I think we're um, uh, where we. I, I don't know about others, but as for me, I, I do the best I can every day to just plug into the Shanghai weave and just be there for as long as possible, as long as my awareness is focused on that because I know I'm not going to get interfered with. <laughs> I'm not going to be bothered by anything. and You get to be protected all the time. So that's all I can report for me. Also, I notice that the more you focus on the weave, when I ask the Shanghai grid to deal with uh, chemtrails, the reaction time is like, faster, a lot faster than it used to be before. So it is a living tissue of energy, isn't it? Uh yeah, you we've got about six minutes. You wanna try to um tell people what you're talking about? Because some people may not have been there for Sunday's show when you 
he actually found this out during a shamanic journey. But describe what what, what well, you're talking tell, about. Well, tell them when we get back. That way we'll have something to talk about other than Well, that, that's true, too. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, too. Um, we did have a, an interesting, you know, one of the, the reason that, that the Shanghai continues to just get more popular is because so many people are willing to tell their experiences. And we have this one lady who, and, and I, I should read it, but I don't want to look for it right now, but she um, had kidney, uh, kidney disease, and they were telling her that she would be on dialysis within a matter of months. And she started to uh, drink the Shungite water, and I think we're a pendant and a bracelet. And she wasn't doing that for very long before she went to the uh, doctor or kidney doctor, and he was absolutely stunned. He said, your kidney levels are falling drastically in the, to the good point. And um, so she came out and told us that. Now, so that's a, she, she's been under medical care for kidneys. The only thing she does is start using Shungite. And all of a sudden, the doctor is like, oh, my God, what, what's, what did you do? What, why is this happening? Because she had gone through all the protocols to, to, to lower it, and she talks about it. And she said, you know, yes, this lowered it somewhat, but not enough. You know, food changes, medical stuff. And, and, uh, but the Shungite, as soon as she got on it, it started to lower the... the why? Because the kidneys are, are dying because of the toxicity in the body. And Shungite, because it changes just the spin, when, and most of you know this now, but you got the spin coming in that's counteractive to what is the biological correct spin. When you've got the Shungite field, as the toxin is there, it automatically starts to spin with the Shungite in the right direction. Now, when it's an electromagnetic wave, an energy field, the, the change is instantaneous and nothing changes within the, the, the signal itself. You're still getting cell connection. You're just not getting cell connection that's destroying you. When it's a toxic material, the spin happens, but it cannot instantaneously reverse itself because its, it's frequency is in the 3D kind of frequency. It's a little slower. It's not going to make the adjustment. Boom. You know, like that, like an energy field will. And what happens is that the at the atomic level, the molecules of toxins are absolutely destroyed. They rip apart. They lose their molecular cohesion, the attraction. And so you don't have any toxins. When you put shungite in a water purification system, as the Russians have found out, you don't have any buildup in, in, the, in the shungite. Like if you've got... Uh, if you're using charcoal, then the charcoal is absorbing the toxic, toxic stuff right out. The molecules are coming out of the water. When you've got shungite, there is no toxics in it anymore, but there is also no absorption, absorbing. There's no gunk. What, what's the answer? The only answer is the one that Walt and I can give you. It's a reversal of field, and the molecular cohesion is lost, and poof. All you've got is a bunch of atoms now instead of atoms that are together in a molecule that are going to be harmful to you. So um, the same thing's happening in this woman's body is that the toxins that have built up and have been destroying the, the kidney are suddenly just not there anymore. 
And now healing can happen. It's not that the Shungite is necessarily creating a healing environment, although we just had a situation where somebody had a very bad earache that turned into the swelling of the face, so it was so painful you couldn't touch it. And the drops the doctor had wanted to give, the ear now was so closed up you couldn't even get the drops in. And uh, they used Shungite. They put, was it Shungite water? Is that all they did on her? No, uh, shungite earring. Oh, the earring. That's right. That's right. It was a shungite earring. And, I, and once they did that, um, pretty soon after that, the swelling started going down. And by the time she went to the nurse practitioner the next day, the nurse practitioner said, what did you do? And, you know, well, it was a shungite earring. And the practitioner was like, well, that's. It's got to be something special because there's this shouldn't be happening. Was that the way you heard it, Colleen? Yep. Yeah. The nurse said officially she couldn't say it was the shungite that did it, ah. <laughs> but personally she thought it did. Ah, yes. So um, yeah, we that that that's that's the key to the shungite is that it keeps doing these little things that that uh, uh, nobody anticipates. We are at the top of the hour, so um, when we come back, we're going to have Walt tell you about the Shungite um, weave that he discovered on a shamanic journey. Well, he didn't discover it. He, he was told it was there. It's it, you know, And then when you look for it, it's like, oh, my gosh. Um, Colleen, do you have some music to put on? Unmute, please. Well, I had to... I had to get that mouse thing over there. You know, sometimes it disappears and you're going, where's the mouse? Uh, those mice. I don't know about them. Um, Magist111 is asking, there was a video about all states having pharmaceuticals in the water. They said it, and the, the, the treatment plants don't remove it. Do you think Shungite is going to be removing that from our waters? What do you think, Walt? Um, this is the first I hear of this. Well, I've known about the the pharmaceuticals in the water for a long time. Um, okay, I'll be honest with you. In my opinion, yes. But that's one of the reasons that when people who have medical conditions and they're taking um, medicine and they get on shungite, I did. I asked my guides and guy and Shungite, you know, what's this going to do to them? Because I felt that if you're taking something pharmaceutical that's supposed to be doing something for you, um, that is not really biocompatible, that's rotating in it as a toxin, um, will it be effective? Uh, the answer that I got goes something like this. Because of the, okay, this is only for people who really understand magic, the manipulation of energy, the togetherness of all, the, the immensity of who we are, because it's really going to sound a little crazy. But that's not the first thing you've heard from me that sounded a little crazy. What I see happening, or what, what, what my guides are telling me, is that if you're taking something that is actually beneficial for your body, actually helping your body, 
even if it's a pharmaceutical. Okay? The Shungite will leave it alone. Because all the Shungite's doing is working on your electromagnetic system to get it balanced. If there's toxins in your body that are not biocompatible, then they can be reversed and destroyed within your body. But if there's something that is actually a healing energy, thinking of it as Shungite, seeing it as a healing energy, okay, it's going to protect it. So that's when I became all right about, you know, just making sure that Shungite was out there to the masses because I did hesitate in the beginning about this whole thing. Um, when you've got pharmaceuticals in the water, they don't belong there, period. And as far as water goes, the only thing Shungite knows is to purify anything that's in there that shouldn't be. So... When I'm drinking Shungite water, now my my system has a, a Shungite magnet on it. Uh, the water pipe has a Shungite magnet. You can get a very similar effect with um, just the uh, the S. I'd use an S4 um, just because it, it, you're continually keeping the quantum field open. You can get the you can get a um, revitalization or a restructuring or a regeneration of the the life force in in the water with a with just the plain uh, shungite, but with this some of these toxins, uh, I think that it's better to be safe than sorry. Use an S4 because you've got the powder there, but you've also got the silver saturated that keeps the door open to the to the quantum and allows a much greater uh, impact on some of these things. Because I learned the hard way with the Wi-Fi that we had missed something. Um, so in order to try to, you know, take the safer, tra- the safer tra- trail, I'd say get an S4 on it. But if you really want to do something, you put a magnet on it. That, that's the bottom line. So mine's got a magnet on it. I use... Uh, I have a container that has a shungite. The water's in there. I never throw it out. I continually reuse it, uh, just fill it up some more. And the reason for that is that not only does shungite do this amazing energy work, it also adds antioxidants to the water. So when you throw, if you, if you, at the end of the day, you throw out your water, you're throwing out antioxidants. And you don't have to worry about the water going bad on you. It's, it's Shungite water. So, uh, and I've been doing this for, what, two years now. And um, the shake that I had that my father had when he was my age has disappeared. Now, I understood that it was a Parkinson's thing in him, but it's gone. I don't have that. I don't have any of the fibromyalgia pains and aches and stuff. My brain that I had had some problems with, um, I was seeing a deterioration. This was probably, well, this was even before Shungite. Um, I'd, I'd look at a number and, and, and I'd go to dial it. And before I could dial it, I'd have to look at the three numbers I just, it was only three numbers at a time that I was working with. And um, that scared me. So I started to look into what could be... Um, a deterioration in my thinking capacity and why was that happening and I found out that turmeric you know the the orange uh, spice thing 
Indian spice, had been um, used to uh, to help me- mental agility. So, uh, and that's probably because of the uh, anti-inflammation cap- uh, qualities of the of the turmeric. But anyway, I'm willing to try anything uh, that's natural. And so I went and I got turmeric. I started taking it. And um, my, my, my mind started getting sharp again. I mean, I wasn't falling into that. It was funny because uh, Cindy, she, she, had, she had had similar situation. She's the same age, similar situation. And so she got something that was being touted as a natural brain stimulator or something. And so I was willing to try it. And as soon as it hit my system, I went, this got turmeric in it. And she had given me some pills. I didn't have the bottle. I said, would you please tell me what's the ingredients in that thing? And, you know, I think it was the first one, turmeric. So anybody that um, is not on Shanghai, turmeric is an alternative, you know, that everybody should be taking it. Um, All my animal, well, not the cat, he won't eat it, but the dog has definitely been on it for all his life uh, because it's an anti-inflammation. And it just is an amazing, an amazing spice. As a matter of fact... Simon was touting it. I don't remember what he was he was uh, touting it for, but um, turmeric. So anyway, and I've been on the the shungite for um, well now going on um, two and a half years, and yes, I get on the radio and yes, I talk and yes, I study and do all this stuff, but I can honestly tell you that my brain continually amazes me. It amazes me some of the things that I remember. Um, I just, they just come to me, you know, and, and before it was like, oh, I know I knew that. What was it? You know, but now it's just, bah, 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 ta, 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 ta. now, yes, I stumble over certain things at certain times, but, um, all in all, Shungite is the most incredible healing because your energy body is balanced without your energy balanced, being energy balanced, you're never going to heal. So to answer the question in a long way, yes, I think it will take it out of the water. No, if something you're taking is good for you, you don't have to worry about Shungite removing it from your system. But if you're taking a pharmaceutical that is actually not good for you, you're wasting your money because Shungite's going to buy-buy it away. Uh, that's my opinion. Sound right, Walt? Yep. It's funny that you mentioned the... Uh the the spice of turmeric because um, one of your listeners gave me uh, a recipe for a preparation uh, they they call it the the recipe of the queen of Hungary um, because as the story goes back in those days of you know royalty the queen of Hungary had uh, contracted syphilis and as you know in those days it's a it's a mortal Ill, illness you know you'll be sick for a while and then it kills you. And they did, somebody thought of doing this preparation, which she was given daily, and she actually recovered her health. She didn't die from the from the illness. So she explained to me that it's considered a, a blood cleanser. And interestingly enough, one of the ingredients is a couple of uh, tablespoons of turmeric, <laughs> among all the other herbs and spices that are in it. So... Very interesting. Yeah, I probably should buy stock and turmeric. <laughs> um, okay, so let's give them the um, 
the story of the of the of the Shungite weave. Um, yeah, b- before I tell them what I was told in the shamanic journey, uh, for the benefit of the audience, I I wish to explain this concept of the energy weave so that things are put into context and it's easier to understand. Um, as I explained in the other show, um, years ago, uh, long before I knew of, of the Shanghaiite, uh, as I was, I was always researching and studying, you know, channel material. Some things made sense, others didn't. And I came across uh, channel material uh, uh, by this character named Master Curiel, who supposedly is a seventh dimensional entity. Uh, this is this character is channeled by a man named Fred Sterling, who lives in Hawaii and. I believe they have some kind of church and they have a group of people and they do meditation and he does his channeling thing. And in, in one of those reported, those articles that he writes, uh, he explained a case that one of the members of the group, uh, his wife was in the hospital. She'd been in labor for a tremendous amount of hours and they'd done the drip and everything on her. But she wasn't uh, dilating, and it was taking too much time for the baby to be born, you know, after the water broke. So he calls him on the phone, and this gentleman, Sterling, is uh, is in the car, ready to go home. And the band's saying, you know, is there anything, you, can you ask Curiel, what does he know, or someone, uh, what's going on with the baby, why isn't it being born? So that's the first time that I had heard of the concept of the weaves, um, he explains how um, I knew something of this from the raw material that explains that for something to exist on the earth, it has to be part of the earth's reality matrix. Otherwise, it cannot be manifested. It's like if you want to create this object, there has to be the in, in, in Gaia's data bank, you have to have the knowledge how to put it together, otherwise it will not manifest in this reality. So that concept I understood from the RAM material, but in this situation that he had, he goes on to explain how all things that share in the same essence, energy, and frequency create a weave around the planet. So you have the weave of horses, of guinea pigs, of dogs, of cats, trees, plants, anything and everything that shares in a similar or same frequency and energy creates a weave. So even, even let's say, trees, within the weave of trees, there are other subweaves. you know, the one for the oak trees, for the elms, for the ash tree. So if you wanted to have a conversation with an ash tree, you wouldn't, they don't have a notion of uh, individuality, they don't have an ego, so you wouldn't talk to the tree directly, you would address the ash tree weave, because that's where the sentience of that species would reside. Remember, trees don't have an organic brain, so their their sentience is actually global. You know, wherever there are trees, they're all connected in this, in this energy uh, fabric, and that's why they refer to it as a weave. So in Fred's case, when the gentleman called him asking for help for her, the wife and the baby, he you know, went into meditation and connected to the 
weave of children. And he heard this little girl's voice in his mind. And immediately he started asking about the woman and the baby. And the little girl kind of uh, scolded him. You know, you haven't said hello yet. So he, he realized <laughs> that he was being kind of rude. So he apologized. And when he presented, the, the, already, the weave was already aware of what was going on. And the, the voice of the weave explained that the child was very uh, concerned about coming into this reality. It was afraid. So you have to make him feel safe. So the, he got instructions that the people that were there in the hospital with the woman should sit, uh, stand around the, the bed where the mother is and project around her body a bubble of energy. So the husband and the other relatives that were there participated in this. So it was like an energy womb. So the baby could be born into a safe environment. And after they did that, it was a matter of minutes, she started dilating, and the baby was born shortly after that. So from that moment on, I became aware of this of this weed, and, and I understand it gives me more insight as to how shamans did what they did in ancient times, whenever they needed to communicate with a species of either fauna or flora, uh, they connect with the weave of that, not to the object itself, because they have no notion of ego, of individuality, they have a notion of the group, the, you know, the totality. Um, so let, me, so, let me ask you a question here about this. Um, they've, I, I didn't, I don't remember the details, because I'm not sure I read the whole thing really well, but there is a new appreciation of how, like, forests can communicate to each other. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that I mean they're they're associating it with something with root systems or something? But yeah, and they're, and they're they're saying the fungi. Well, all of those things are instrumental to the weave. They're not. They're, they're not. Uh, what do you? Uh, I'm not saying that the fungi do not play a role. It, it's all instrumental to the same thing, to the same concept. But the sentience of vegetation. Is not isolated to one plant. It's actually the the plants are interconnected with their collective sentience, and we accept the plants are sentience. I mean, look at that book. My I remember my father bought it and read it cover to cover the Secret Life of Plants that came out in the 70s, where the man using um, lie detectors. Clive Baker. There. Uh, he found that they reacted to your thoughts and intentions. I mean, just thinking that he was going to tear off one of the leaves, the plant reacted violently. The thing is that that humans, we are so uh, programmed to this, you know, me, me, myself, the ego, the, the awareness, the individuality, you know, the separation, I am me and you and you, and those people are those people. They don't, they have a very difficult time uh, conceiving the notion of what it would mean, how would life would be if you were part of a whole. You know, like telepathy would be a, uh, not an ob- uh, uh, a goal, it would just be a consequence of being connected with everyone. So you're having, you need, you need help, you have a question about math, well you automatically connect to someone who is a professor in math, and he tells you, oh honey, the way you resolve that, it, and it just flows normally because everything 
is connected with everything else. That notion, it's very, very difficult. But it's not difficult for, for life because that's the way it works. Uh, animals, you know, the fauna and the flora on the planet, you know, they have their layers of sentience and they communicate with each other. And that's why they... Well, I would have to assume that there's a, a, a we for humanity then. There is. This what a, a young... I think really that's how you pronounce his name. He referred to it as the collective unconscious. Because at the conscious level, humans <laughs> are not very connected. So so when I when I talk about the collective consciousness, we're talking about the weave of humanity. Exactly. That's really very informative. And that's the problem is that that's what's been subverted. Think about it. If they if they have the technology to do this soul manipulation thing, as uh, Parks explained, they can, they are more than equipped to interfere with and manipulate the weave of human consciousness. And and that's where you get uh, to give you Wi-Fi, a, maybe Wi-Fi. I mean, <laughs> Wi-Fi, television. Anything, anything and everything that touches your awareness. Well, here's a perfect example of collective consciousness. Um, in modern days, for anybody who has studied electronics or radio, TV, broadcasting in school, whether regular school or specialized school, uh, history gives credit to Marconi, the Italian scientist, for the creation of radio, you know, AM radio, you know, uh, over-the-air transmissions. Well, the truth is that when Marconi was doing his experiments, you know, with coils and everything to do that, uh, in India, a scientist named uh, Jagadish Chandra Ghosh, uh already had a working prototype, and he developed, you know, wireless communications. You know, nobody <laughs> knows who... Well, actually, Tesla Tesla was the one that had it first, and he has now been acknowledged. So, yeah, that's true, because in his case, his focus was always geared to helping humanity with free energy. So he was interested in communications in the sense of, okay, how do I get all this energy everywhere so that everybody can, can benefit from it? Yeah, uh, he didn't know about Shungite. <laughs> and like that, there are... Uh, that's just one little tiny example. There are other things in, in other fields, uh, whether it's art, uh, science, engineering, uh, chemistry, where you will find individuals, separate individuals in different parts of the world, don't know each other, speak different languages, different cultures, and yet they stumble onto the same idea. You know, they're all connected to the weave of collective consciousness. And that's why when other people have hateful thoughts and, and intentions and stuff like that, that it gets into the weave. And if you're in a bad mood or a really low frequency, well, that's what your mind radio is tuning into. You're tuning into those low frequencies. Okay, so back to the Shungite. Sorry I took you off there. but No, it was a valid question, so... It's good to be aware of that. Um, in the, so I give you all this background so it makes it easier 
to understand what the the girl's guide meant because she she had the this intuitive uh, touch that her guides might have a message for her. So that was I always ask the clients for two or three questions so that I will have something specific to ask since the guides don't gossip. And she wanted to know what message do they have for me. Um, so the first thing the guy said is, you know, the Shanghai weave. And I said, what do you mean, Shanghai weave? And then he knows, he, he goes, you already know that things, living or otherwise, are connected to all those of the same essence of frequency, creating a, a cloth or weave of that essence. And uh, when the Shanghai grid became active, that device that I put on the satellite antenna, and you have the Shanghai energy riding the satellite network, and it actually went around the planet. Uh, it was like a trellis where the green ivy can climb and grow. So it became like a matrix where all those people working with and wearing Shanghai begin to energize and connect, even though they're not aware of it. So the weave of Shanghai is forming and growing, but unlike other weaves, he said it has three important differences. Number one, there can be no mind control in the weave. It won't allow it. Uh, number two, it cannot be infiltrated like other weaves, so it won't allow anything of a negative nature, no entities, no negative self-destructive thoughts, no negative feelings. And third, he says it has the capabilities of Shangite, because all the other weaves are bound in size and capacity by the size and energy of all their components. But since Shanghai accesses the quantum field, it has no limitation to the amount of energy it can harness and use. So I said, okay, what should be done, you know, regarding the weave? And he said, connect to it every day, more and more. Spend more time in your heart than in your head. Uh, see the weave. So when he said that, um, he had invited me to sit on these rounded white, they look like rounded lazy boys, that's the only way I can describe it. There was like this little tiny round table between us, and the image of the planet appeared in 3D, and uh, over the surface of the planet you could see floating like a, like a gossamer cloth, iridescent, like when you take a huge sheet of silk and you let it, and the wind makes it, you know, wave and shimmer. And even though the light coming off of the surface was like rainbow light, all the colors, uh, upon closer inspection, the, the fabric of it seemed to be like gold and silver intertwined. And all everything, all the specimens were getting interconnected, and the people involved with them. Because the issue with the Shanghai is for the longest time, it has remained isolated in two or three little spots on the planet. So it could never be make a weave of itself because it's just isolated. So as, the, as it became known, and it gets shipped and it gets sent everywhere and people are wearing it, working with it, so they're thinking about it. So that makes a consciousness connection. You know, like Simon Park says, connecting consciousness. So... It's listening to you, it's hearing you. We have already spoken about how psychoactive it is. It reacts to our thoughts and intentions. You can't use it to do negative, hurtful things. 
So that makes it grow more and more. And that's why that night after the, the, the shamanic journey, when I meditated, I, I made m- my best attempt to connect and I asked of it, you know, don't wait. Don't wait to grow. If you have access to unlimited energy, bring in from the quantum field what you need and make the, the weave as thick as you can, you know, six foot th- thick, one mile thick, ten miles thick, I don't care. Just make it big and so that everybody can connect to it. And the more you connect to it, um, that's one of the questions that I ask. Does that mean that if I, if somebody's awareness is attuned to the weave, they can't be mentally manipulated, you know, you can't be telepathically interfered with, and exactly, that's exactly the point, it's it's creating a, a layer of energy that's a perfect shelter for all of us, where you can go and be free of domination and control. I'm wondering if, because I, I, I said it when we had just the satellite system up, that you know, even if you don't have Shungite, you can reach out to the energy. It's all around you. I would think that that would be re- w- even more true with the weave. Yeah, and and the thing that uh, that's why I always keep giving you, <laughs> I keep calling you the the clue dropper because you're always dropping clues that I'm following when um, you brought to my attention the concept of the phantom Shungite effect the PSE, and lo and behold, I, I do the testing with the motor, and yes, there is such a thing as a phantom Shanghai effect. Once the EMF field of any device that's putting out a field, like in this case an AC motor, once the Shanghai corrects it, if you remove the Shanghai from its proximity, from the proximity to the device, it stays corrected as long as the device is running. But once I powered down, once I cut off all power to the motor, after two and a half hours, that correction just dissipates. And when you turn it on, it goes back to being a negative, you know, counterclockwise field. So that's, that's very significant. Because we don't, we don't shut down. We're not motors. So if the Shanghai is correcting us, just because we for, you know, I, I went to the store and I forgot to put on my pendant. I'm still protected. I'll just put it on later on. Because that effect remains. We are, we are functioning. We are a living field of energy. Well, the reason, and, and again, we are pre- repeating some of the stuff that we ta- talked about on Sunday, but um, I don't mind repeating because somebody may not have heard it Sunday. And it always is good to tell the story again so that you can tell if we're telling you the same thing, the same, you know, because that way me, that means we're not lying or making it up. We're telling you like we think it is. And the reason that I find the phantom effect of Shungite to be so telling is that the only other time that they've ever seen this is the phantom effect with DNA. They put DNA in a vial uh, with sterile water. And they were trying to demonstrate how DNA absorbs photons, which are the smallest basic uh, form of, of light. And it's a, a place. It's a weird thing in that it's it's 3D and yet it's it's energy. Well, can I pause you there for a second? Sure. Um, 
I'm I'm not changing what you're saying. I just it's a little tiny detail. I re, I remember reading that about the the experiment, the way it was done, but not so much absorbing photons, but what they found is that it the DNA molecule kind of manipulated photons when they projected the laser light onto the molecule the photons arrange themselves replicating the shape of the DNA so they, they like the DNA was kind of controlling the the geometric location of the photons so they were aligning themselves to the shape and form of the molecule and then when they did the, the, they removed the DNA the photons continue shaping themselves in the same structure. That's what threw them for a loop. They said, what? There's no DNA here. How can this thing be? And that's, that was the phantom DNA effect. Well, they even shook the vial, and the photons would fly around, but then, you know, almost instantaneously, they'd go back into the spiral again. Mm-hmm. You know, and... and <laughs> What I think is, what I think the, the telling tale is, is that we claim that shungite accessed the quantum field. DNA absolutely is accessing quantum energy. There's no other explanation for its existence. So it, it was almost like, oh yeah, the only other thing that accesses the quantum energy is DNA, and that's doing that, and then Shungite's doing the same thing. It was sort of a, a confirmation of what I had felt. Yeah, and the other interesting thing, I, I, I have not seen the connection before. I'm being totally honest, I, I had not seen the connection before. Um, the third question that this girl had had to do with the flower of life. So again, you know, he showed me a different image over the table where you, he manifested the flower of life symbol. So for those of you that have seen it, it looks like a circle filled with interconnecting circles, creating like petals, which they, re- it's a, it's incredibly ancient. It goes back like far back older than the oldest civilizations. And it's all over the, it's found all over the planet in places where you would never think these civilizations knew each other. Um, so here's the image floating in the air, the two dimensional image of the flower of life. And then it starts rotating around, uh, vertically, like a, around a vertical axis. But as, as it's rotating, like it's copying itself, you know, going from 2D, to 3D, and it starts, the circles start growing. Now the circles are not circles anymore. They're little, they're bubbles. So they're extending outward and inward. Difficult to explain because it's, it is kind of like goes beyond 3D. But at one point I noticed something in the shape and he, he looked at me and he goes, does it look familiar to you? And I said, yeah, you bet it does. It's a fullerene. It's like a living fullerene. So right then and there, he was showing me that the fullerene is like the multidimensional representation of the flower of life. It is the source of life energy itself. And it makes perfect sense because you see it 
wherever you go, wherever you, if you put shungite where plants are, the plants go bigger and healthier and faster. Where it would take unless you had the experiment with the sh- with the seeds, where she was expecting to see the first sprouts like in more than a week. In three days, she had the seeds sprouting already. Uh, and um, one of the things I was uh, sharing with Nancy, um, for those that have had a chance to read the writings by Joseph Campbell, uh, in one of his books, in one chapter, he goes on to discuss the metaphysical significance and implications of what radiation is and why is it so important that it remain de- buried deep in the earth and not be mined out of the earth. Uh, and he goes on to describe the the geometry of how the radiation energy manifests, and he it's like a downward spiral. It's like a winding down of life. So he describes radiation as death energy itself. It is the energy of death itself. So seeing, remembering that detail. It made perfect sense why the Russians were able to save the lives of all the workers that worked in Chernobyl um, by using Shanghai chambers, because the Shanghai would be the only antidote. It would be the only thing neutralizing that death energy. You're using life energy itself to neutralize death energy. Well, at the same time that you were getting this very, in the same time frame, let's put it that way, that you were getting this very uh, profound information from the guide. I was doing mind tripping with my head, and well, of course it was in my head, well, it's my heart too, but this time it was in my head, and I was thinking about the water situation in Dakota, and I was considering whether um, we could do, because you had asked me at the beginning of this year whether we could do what we did for the river when it got so polluted in uh, Colorado, and I said, no, because we need the Native Americans to come together. And so they had come together. So now I have got, you know, explicit permission to help them in any way we can. So I was thinking, okay, Jen, you know, what are we going to do here? I was talking to Gaia. I was thinking I'd probably call you and we'd figure out some way of, of really dealing with this pipeline situation. And then I thought, well... I wonder if we just put a fullerene over the whole area, you know. And as I started imaging this fullerene, it was like, instead of seeing the outer soccer ball look to it, I was seeing inside of it. Mm. And when I realized that there was something, you know, it's like you see the fullerene coming in, and now I'm like, wait a minute. And I start to focus on what else is there, and I realized I was seeing inside of the fullerene, and lo and behold, all of the sacred geometry is inside of it. Mm. And I'm going like, oh, my God, I can't believe that. You know, that the, the, the fullerene itself, because of the, the completely, you know, the final, the final of all of these geometries being put together. You put them together, you get all this, you do this, you get a square, you do this, you do your triangle, you know, you put them all together. That in the end, the final out of all the five, what was it, five platonic um, shapes, it's mm-hmm. the fullerene. And then as soon as I got grasped that kind of like, aha, uh-huh, all of a sudden this fullerene just expanded all i mean it just expanded out and encompassed everything and i went well damn the universe is is, is we're inside a fullerene 
Yeah. No. That's why the all the metaphysicians, you know, all the masters, they teach you that nothing is truly dead, even rocks are alive, which is why I, I, I think I made a comment in, in an older show uh, in response to something that Simon Park said that the reptilians cannot be accessed by love. You know, it's not an energy that they can use. Like he said, if, if you could put a couple of probes into love and get energy out of it, they would use it, but they, they can't. The, the only energy they can use for their substance is like fear energy. And I thought that's like really, really sad. That means these people are even more primitive than rocks. Because anybody out there that is doing energy work with crystals and minerals and stones will know that you can connect to rocks with love, with your heart, and you can get information out of them. Like, uh, those, um, that type of quartz that sold, it's called the Lemurian quartz, that they were found in, in Brazil in those sand beds, which is obvious, that's an obvious indication that they were deposited there because they're not growing out of the rock as a normal quartz would be. And uh, all the people that I have met that do crystal work and metaphysical application of crystals, they all agree on the same thing, that these are library crystals. You can tune into them and you can access all of this ancient knowledge. Of course, it's not, it's more of a heart exercise than a mind exercise. So I'm thinking, okay, rocks which supposedly are dead can be accessed with love, and these entities cannot. So these guys are more primitive than rocks. <laughs> So what do you suggest um, that people do regarding the weave? Uh, you know, I know they said to think about it. Um, like they stay, um, because we, we all have a, a different human design makeup. People that have defined head centers cannot do no mind, mind, no mind meditation. I know the, the ideal Zen meditation is no thoughts you know, completely, but not everyone can do that. You and I can do it because we have open head centers. We don't need to be processing thought and, and energy 100% of the time. But there are people that are not like that. They have, their head centers are, design, are set up, defined. So there's thinking all the time. So for those people, it doesn't mean that they can't meditate. They just need to med they meditate different. So for those people, Guided meditations are the best. Like when you put on a, a tape or a CD and you have somebody's voice guiding you on a visualization journey where you, you know, they say, okay, you're sitting, you know, on the beach or in this garden. And well, why, why, why don't you, why don't you just do it and, um, you know, give them a meditation technique that they can, these people that have the closed mind, heart, mind thing, head thing. Um, can actually do it. Step them through it, and then we'll clip it out. And we'll put it on YouTube, and it'll million people will hear it, and everything will be fine. Can you do that? Well, sure. Simple. Simple is better. The simple, the, the the simpler that it is, the better it is. And the the simplest meditation is like, um, okay, as I said before, you you sit down, you make sure that your feet are flat on the ground, and your uh, hands are resting on your knees or your legs. 
it's important not to cross the limbs because it's creating a circuit and you don't want that. Uh, you want to keep the hands on your knees or your lap. Don't cross them. Don't cross the fingers. Um, the important thing is the breath because you want the breath is what gets the energy moving. So you always breathe deep and you feel that breath going down your torso into your legs all the way to the end of, the, of your toes. And when you let go of the breath, same thing, you know, that, uh, it's coming back up and as you're letting go of the breath, you uh, become aware of that shaft of light that comes from above, you know, from your higher self, from your higher dimensions. And it just fills the body because it enters through the crown chakra. And you also see it surrounding you. So you're sitting in this pillar of light. And as you breathe and the breath goes all the way down into the feet, you see the lines of force that connect you to the uh, earth. And as you exhale and let the breath out, the earth is also sending you energy and filling your body. So you are nothing less than a living bridge between heaven and earth. Because the higher dimensional energies are coming into you and earth is filling you with her energies. So that's, it's a living marriage of, of life and light happening right then and there inside you. And that's why it's so important. And once you've done this breathing and this relaxing, because nothing is forced, you don't have to effort anything. It's just breathing and being aware. You're breathing and you're being aware of these two energies filling you and mixing inside you. And once you're relaxed in that state, uh, become aware of your physical heart. Not the heart chakra, not the center of the chest, but the physical heart itself, which sits on the left side of your body, which is the female side. And it sits right there next to the spine. And just beam appreciation to it that deep, sincere feeling of appreciation and gratitude. I don't care how you visualize it. Uh, you could visual, you could use the breath itself. Like you're, instead of blowing up a balloon, you're blowing appreciation into the heart. Or you could visualize a stream of appreciation particles filling your heart. Or a beam of appreciation light illuminating the heart. I don't care. The image, the image is not important. The important thing is that it's your choice how you do it and that it's real to you. Because whatever comes from your own personal inspiration is 10,000 times more powerful than whatever uh, advice I can give. So when you do that, when you send appreciation into the heart, that brings all the cells in your body. All the billions of living cells that you have in your body, they start going into a state of ecstasy. They get illuminated because the heart is the control center. And as the, the heart is being illuminated with appreciation, the heart is illuminating all the cells. So that heals the body, regenerates the body, rejuvenates the body. If we, if you can do that like 
just before going to bed every night, you're going to bed with that awareness. So you're still in that state when you're in, in your in your sleep and your dreamscapes. And that's it. That's you can do that and stay there for as long as you want because that heart is connecting you to the Shanghai weave. Now, for those that have good imagination, you can visualize the weave all around you. In my case, uh, in the days before I did the shamanic journey, I was wondering why I was having all these dreams about water, waterways and rivers and lakes and whatnot. And I remember Dr. Costa said that when you see, when water is a subject in your dreams, it it represents spiritual energy. So to me, I see the weave uh, like a body of water surrounding the entire planet, and I just jump in, and there I am floating in the water, the surface over my head, and I can look up and I can see the sunlight shimmering on the surface, as seen from below. And that's that's my visualization. It doesn't need to be anybody else's. You make up whatever you feel resonates with you. Others might see, you know, a shimmering cloth connecting all life. The important thing is that it's it's something that you're building because since your your heart is far more powerful than your brain, as you as your awareness, as your consciousness feeds this image, this feeling, it it just gets bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger. And that's it. It's the simple, the simpler it is, the better it is. You don't need a PhD to meditate. Nobody ever did. <laughs> okay, now you said that people like you and I who have open head centers, we wouldn't necessarily have to go through that visualization, but these are people that actually need to have some kind of uh, a guideline, let's say. Uh, right. Is there another? Is there? They can't, stop, they can't stop processing thought. They can't. I mean, it's. Uh, I'm, I'm sure somebody out there who has practiced for years might get to do it by by default. If you have a defined ajna and a defined head center, you're a thinking machine. That's your job. There's nothing wrong with it. You don't have to change it. But that's the way you've been wired. <laughs> okay, is there another type of human design that might have an, a, a, another way of looking at it? Uh, how, how so you mean? Well, we're trying to get give people um, actual advice on how to connect to the energy weave of Shanghai. And well, you've given that's why I gave you that because it's uh, it's that type of meditation is universal. It doesn't matter how you're wired. It's something that you can do and follow. What happens is that some people, you know, we are all different as our fingerprints are different. Um, some people have a hard time visualizing. So, that, but they might have a, a a very easy time feeling. So, if they do it with feeling, like feeling appreciation for the heart, that's it. You sit down and just let your heart fill with that, and it fills and fills and it's, and it overflows your heart and it fills your body, and just focus on the feeling. In my case, I'm more visual. I've been daydreaming since day one because I didn't even want to live on this planet. So. That was my escape route. I made myself other realities in my dreams. So to me, it's it's nothing. It's 
second nature. It, what matters is that that simplicity of just being there in your heart. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, this monk I met in uh, in California that he he was trying to follow Yogananda's uh, advice, and Yogananda said about uh, focusing on love. So what he did is, this was just his own little personal trick, he imagined his heart had lips, and all day long when he was working that he didn't have to talk to anybody else, he would imagine his the lips in his heart saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. And that's, he was doing it for him, you know, by himself, for himself, you know, he would be sweeping or washing or whatever task he was given, and that was the focus of his practice. And one day he he met Yogananda coming the other way in the hallway, and Yogananda looked at him and says, I love you too. <laughs> so and he didn't utter a word or anything. He was just focusing on his internal practice. Or you can imagine that your heart has a nose. So every time you breathe in and you breathe out, you're breathing through the heart, and that makes it stronger. It makes the heart feel stronger. The people underestimate the tremendous energy and power that we have in our breath, that's why you see people taking courses on pranayama and things like this, you know, the, the yoga discipline that allows you to use your breath to control the prana in your body. Uh, if you ever experience any kind of body pain, I don't know, leg pain, foot pain, your arm, an organ, whatever, if you sit down and close your eyes and imagine and see yourself breathing through that area that's hurting, Wherever it is in the body, imagine that that area has a nose and the air goes in and out of that area. In a few minutes, you'll see the pain goes away. You just moved all that energy. The pain could be an indicator of missing energy, energy overload, stuck energy, toxic energy, and the breath is the power to dissolve all of that and bring it back into balance. Oh, very cool. <laughs> very cool. Well, we're getting to the uh, top of the show. Is there anything else you'd like to leave the listener with, Walt? Yes, come back next week. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Several federal gatherings Make it ring in my ears Bring tears over the years People stop believing Achieving, feeding the whole land in the end the pretenders pretend and warriors feel sorry. Teaching.